Wait, so his son, this, his grandson, this this Rosh Hashanah, is a Sefer and Chumash. Um, it's it's each volume is about a thousand pages long. You see over here, it's one thousand and five pages on Brachos. He has a lot of has a lot of Vertlok, Mises, etc. Okay, so uh, here in in this in this piece, he talks about the idea that um, that. The Medrash says that it contrasts Moshe Rabbeinu with Noah. Everybody's familiar with the contrast between Avraham Avinu and Noah. There's a Medrash which contrasts Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, Noah as well. It says Moshe Rabbeinu started out, the first time that we, we meet him in the Torah, he's referred to as Ish Mitzri. And eventually Moshe Rabbeinu was known as Ish Elohim. So he's going up. Noah, we find him in the Parsha, is referred to as Ish Sadiq. And at the end of the Parsha, the story where he he drinks from the wine. We find he's called Ishadama, the man of the earth, which is a is an act of going down. So we're contrasting the fact that Moshe Benu was in a state of of Ali of Aliyah of, of Aliyah of going up. And Noah was not like that. And that's the point of the Medrash. So there's an important difference between the direction the person is going. So he brings a story like this. So he brings a story from the Alter Slambotka. He heard this from Rameer Khadash. Was a Talmud of the altar. So Meir Chodesh Zichlavracha says that there was a story. It one of the top bachim yeshiva, but the altar was not did not feel wasn't connecting with him. He was basically ignoring him. Uh, but there's another bracha in the yeshiva which was not as anywhere near as chashav as the first bachar level, etc. And the altar was like very friendly to him and connecting to him, etc. So after a period of time, the first bocher, who was being ignored, asked the altar, like, why? And clearly he's on a, a higher level of learning than the other individual. Why is the altar seeming to give greater respect and interest to the second person as opposed to the first person? Now, the altar was known for this idea of being very, very aware of each Talmud and crafting his response to each Talmud differently. So that's why you look at Slobodka as a fascinating yeshiva, and you see that out of Slobodka came many different gedolim. Each one was, was quite different. So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky learned in, 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 in Slobodka, and Rabbi Yisachutner learned in Slobodka, and Rabbi Yisachutner learned, learned in Slobodka, and you know, etc. You have all these different people. Each one came out different. Rabbi Hutner was quite a different person than Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and quite a different person than Rabbi Ruderman. Rabban Cutler learned in Sabotka. You know, Rabban was quite different. Each person had their own. I mean, he basically he was able to direct each Talmud. That, what was appropriate for that Talmud? So he asked, like, "This individual, you're you're being makar a lot, and me, you're basically uh, ignoring." So I'll do something like this. You find that the the time of Ben Arboyim, which means in the afternoon as the sun is going down, is called slowly Erev. The shadows of night. The sun is still out, but it's referred to as Soli Erev. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a beautiful sun, sunlight, you know, sun, as it's getting towards going, the sun going down. It's a very, very, very pleasant time of the day. The Chazal call it Soli Erev. It's, it's, it's the shadows of night. It's, it's almost not like called day anymore, in the way Chazal referred to it. On the other hand, in the morning, Alyssa Shachar is referred to as, as, as Shachar, as Yom, even though it's quite dark out still. 
So we have a situation which is quite dark, referring to it as yard. We have a situation which is quite light, we're referring to it as evening, as uh, nighttime. So much shot. So he has to say like this. It's dark still. It's moving towards light. Moving towards the state of light connects you to the world of light. So the early morning, when the, the first rays of the sun are coming out, he's moving, now he's in the world of moving towards light. Well, in that world, it's considered Yom already. With the other way around, it's light out, the sun is quite strong still, so Chazal said that that's evening already. That's already, it's towards sunset. The day is ending, even though it's light out. But the, the direction, the focus is towards the lack of light. So, so he said the difference between you and this to this bacher. The, the, the altar was known that when he needed to give somebody strong muster, he would he'd be very blunt. He could also give a bacher a tremendous amount of praise and lift him up, etc. But he needed to. For example, there was a young man that the altar used to stand up full full height when the bacher would walk into the room to give him covet. He says this bacher is like a rikiveger. And then there's a bacher like over here that he, he, he wiped the floors with the guy. For He says, you hold your, that you're like, you know, you're a chosher guy, you're there already. You're not working on yourself anymore. So you're at the, t- at the top, but your direction is going down. If you don't go up, you're going down. This bacher and the other bacher is much lower than you, but he's in the direction of going up. So he's like the, the Aloysia Shachar, which is turning towards day, even though it's still dark, but it's called day because it's 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 about growth, etc. You're like the, the beautiful, powerful sun, which is going down. And we call it evening. That's what he told him. He says, "Afartika." means you're finished. Mushlam. You don't need to do any more shtagim. The question is where you're going, not where you're at. So he's called a Ben etc. So he gives uh, a, a the um, a idea on the bottom over here. He adds a story or a thought based on that, which I, I heard this from Rishon Sadron. So that. Um, Yom Kippur night. So the person just ate a big meal. His stomach is full. He's totally, totally no inuy at all, no affliction at all. He comes to Marv and he screams out, Baruch Shem out loud, because we're like Malachim. You have full stomach, you're like a Malach. The next night by Marv, you've been fasting for 25 hours, 26 hours. Shem, quietly. I mean, you're much more of a malach the second night you're on the first night. And so the answer is, but where, where, where you're going? The first night you're going into Yom Kippur. You're going into a time of tremendous kedusha. The second night you're going into supper. You're going into your breakfast. 
So Baruch Shem is quieter. Oysmalach. <laughs> now you have to add the Khar Nila is quite right immediately prior to that. We say Baruch Shem out loud. Nila is so powerful that it takes your focus away from what's afterwards. You're focusing on Nila. That's you have to say. Anyway, so um, so uh, we, we said this idea once over from Rabbi Rucham that um, Rabbi Rucham contrasted Parsha Shlach, the Miraglim, which Chazal say were the the greatest people of Klai Yisrael. Yeshua was number five in the list. Right? So, like, they were talking about the greatest people of Klai Yisrael, but the Chazal said they were Rishoyim. They, they, even the time they left Moshe, they read a Rishoyim. But, so, Rishoyim suggests what it means is they were, they were on a, a downward trajectory. And, and the contrast you have in the, you have in the Haftarah that Yeshua was saved by a woman named Rocha Vazana. Rocha Vazana eventually became a Gyaris and she married Yeshua. And the Torah talks about her in very, very positive terms because she was an Ben Aliyah. She's, going, she's, she's in a growth mode. Now, somebody who doesn't understand this looks at this woman who's not Jewish and he's, she's a Zayna, she's actually a Zayna, right? and compares it to the greatest men in Klayasa. Which one's better? He says, he gives a marshal, says, you have two plants. One is a, is a gigantic tall tree, 100 feet tall, but it's dying inside. The other tree is a little sapling, but it's growing. Right, which one's better? Which one's more valuable? Which one do you want to throw your lot in with? The, the, the sapling, which is the growth mode. The sapling is one one hundredth of the height of the... Uh, one fiftieth of the height of the other tree. Yeah, but it's growing. And this tree is dying. Right, so that was the most that he said. So, but then he adds over here a, a thought on the bottom, which is a, he brings some missions of Aaron. He says, let me just move this over so I can read this. Um, so he says, number nine, the person has to constantly grow. He brings multiple reasons, but the, the reason number four, he brings in this uh, over here, number four, he says, As you grow, you really change as a person. Your understanding is deeper, your understanding is better, your connection to tournaments is better. You're really a different person, you're not the same person as before. So you have to, the, the whatever, all of the work that you've done to bring you to here, Say, so, well, I, I've done a lot of growth work, but from the balance of what I know now, what I understand now, I open up new vistas of, 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 of accomplishments. So I, I can't stop because from that vantage point, I realize there's so much more to, 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 to do and to accomplish. Commissioner Malam is a Tina Alabase, and then you, you keep going after it. You don't, you don't stop there. As you grow, you become a new person. Well, once that's true, that you've grown, so your understanding is greater, your abilities are greater. And therefore, hopefully, your shifas are greater. So you've moved to uh, a person's climbing the mountain, and he reaches a certain plateau of height. He steps up onto the plateau, and he realizes he has a whole much more, there's so much more to, 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 to climb. But what, what, this is a quote from Mishas Rabbaran, that's from Rabbaran Cutler. What, what Rabbaran is adding is, 
Well, what has also grown is your abilities have grown. You've gotten better. So, you know, now you can scale the new heights. So then if you can, and now that you are aware of the new possibilities and you have the ability to do that, it's appropriate to try and conquer that. So that's why you have to constantly grow. Um, one of the challenges that we have is we sort of like, you know, I'm comfortable where I am. That type of an attitude. Um, I think I told you the story with my father-in-law, Olova Shalom. See, he davened safe before he, before they they bailed out of their old neighborhood and moved to Baltimore. So the neighborhood there was still like a small small shul. There was a large building with a small remnant of people diving in the shul. And all these people were financially uh, successful at that point in their lives, you know. Um, they dived in the shul, etc. The shul was from the old style shul that Sukkot's time, the shul owned the set of Dalai Minim, and everybody used the shul set of Dalai Minim to be, to be uh, the, the Mitzvah Arba Minim. And then for Hallel, the Rav would take, the, or the, whoever was the, 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 the Baal Tefillah, or the Rav would take the, the, the Dalai Minim for the Hallel. So, we prefer that each person should have their own dollar minutes, should be able to use, hold it for hollow because it's appropriate to hold the, the dollar minute for hollow, etc. But they were still, in the, many, in the old days, many shuls, that's what they did. My father-in-law came with his own dollar minute. So you had, you know, the, the 15 people there, 14 of them using the shuls dollar minute, my father-in-law using his own dollar minute. So somebody called him out, he says, like, you know, like, what's wrong with using the shuls dollar minute? I, 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 my father did it like that. My grandfather did it like that. I can also do it like that. My father said, "Okay, I, I get you. I understand that. Do you live in the same size house as your father lived in and your grandfather lived in? Do you drive the same type of car as your father lived in and your grandfather lived in? You just do the same type of car that you lived that you started out with many years ago, or you live driving a luxury car? Ah, uh-huh. so so you, you you're not just happy to stay the same as everybody else, but just when it comes to mitzvahs, you want to be stuck in a in a little in a little corner." That was his response. I'm sure the fellow never challenged my father-in-law again after that one. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's a it's a fascinating point. We, we we understand that as we grow, we have numusogim and we want we want bigger and better things. Um, this is the challenge that people have about uh, winning the lottery. You know, I tell people you know I, I, you know yeah when I buy when the lottery I'll I'll put X amount of money away in savings. I'll use this money for this charity. I'll take care of my old aunt. And then uh, and I'll be very happy. I'm not going to change my lifestyle. But um, so there's a story that a person, there was a person who had not a lot lottery, but he had, you know, had come up finally with some, very, the family was not well off at all. They lived in a fairly impoverished circumstances. And they did, the fellow did good in business. So he but he kept living the same old lifestyle that you know the the, clo- the kid his clothing was be and his kids' clothing was be and you know the house was the slump and the, and his wife felt you know it's, it's, he should act he, now that he has money he should so she went to the rav he says what should I do the rav says you should buy him a tie-tack. a nice beautiful diamond tie-tack. she says what's that going to help a tie-tack? says trust me no so she buys him a tie-tack. See, the next day he gets up in the morning and he puts a tie tack on, on his on his tie. Now his tie was an old shabby tie. It didn't make sense that the tie tack didn't look good with the tie. So that day he went to the store 
the way home from work, and he bought a new tie. So now the tie that says, but the suit didn't look right. The shirt didn't look right. So he had to go get a new shirt and a new suit. So now he's he's decked out beautifully. So next to his wife. His wife looked very shabby, you know, so he had to buy her some new dresses. Now, the kids looked, looked horrible compared to that. So he had to get the kids new clothes. They, they walked into the house. The house looks like a wreck compared to what the way they're dressed. So he had to get a new, right? So the tie tag changed the whole musagam of everything the person had. So a little change gives you a new perspective. So the same thing is true in Yiddishkeit. The person has a little bit of a deeper havon in something. A little bit of, so he says, I, I can't stay with my old... Everything else remains the same. You've changed. You've grown. You've become more sensitive to other people. So that's to, to learn more about the halachas on the chavera. And because now you're more sensitive to it, you you have a better understanding of the depth of of, of what somebody's pain is, so you have to be more sensitive. You have to change. Well, now that I'm more sensitive about that, so I understand the what, what it means to be responsible for somebody else. So I have, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, we 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 as we grow. So because I'll say I mean, it's not nice, you know, sometimes that the tamachachem and I'm ordered. Um, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. The Tamachachim who knows and, and, and doesn't find out all, everything he needs to know to be able to, he has the ability to find out and he chooses not to. His shogi counts like amazing because he could have been, he could have gotten more information and been, been more careful. Now, more it's not, his shogi remains a shogi because what he, what he wants from that more is what does he know? He doesn't know better. But the person who could know better, who chooses willfully to not to know better, is going to be held culpable. So the ability to have knowledge and having knowledge generates ability to get more knowledge. So that's what Byron is saying, that a person has to keep to keep, keep stagging. Because that's, that's the point I wanted to... Um, he brings a few more other things along those lines, and that's um, and that's shot in the Medrash, that Moshe Benu was started out as an Ish Mitzri, and he's Chaviv, that he was... Eventually he's called Isha Lakim. And Noah is considered a, the, an Isadik, and then he becomes Isha Adama. I do want to point out you know, we read the story, and the story it just seems it sounds like a little, bit, a little bizarre. Um, the Zara says that there's multiple sheets. What was the Eitzadas? What exactly was the Eitzadas? So, according to one version, the Eitzadas was 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 uh, uh, was the vine, a, a grapevine. So, what Noach was doing, the, the Zara says, was he was trying to rectify the sin of Adamarishan. He's planting this vine, and he's going to use the 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 the, the vine properly. That will be a tikkun for the chetavot marishim. Um, but the, the, the desire says, he wasn't able to do that. It wasn't the time; it wasn't the proper time to at that point in time to to be mesak in the chetavot marishim. Wasn't ready yet, so um, he. Um, he, uh, uh, the attempt was unsuccessful. And the result was when you try to do something which is beyond where, where, where it's supposed to be, the, the, the results are usually negative. You fall backwards. So he became, uh, so he says, the, why would we assume that the, the, the so the, the Torah describes the Eitzadas as Eitzadas. Das is, is not just knowledge, but it's intimate knowledge. It's to be able to connect to something that's real, that's significant, right? That's das. That's the idea of das. Uh, we've mentioned this before that there's chach, the in, in the Madragas of the series, there's chachmabin and das. Uh, hence, Rosh Hashanah. That's Chabad takes their concepts based on that. So chachmah is information. I have 
Vidas, I, 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 I truly assimilate and understand the information and I can apply it. So I can build with it. So it's called, called Bina, Binyan, Vashon, Abayna, etc. Um, it's also Ben, which is, it's a lot of, A gives birth, this knowledge gives birth to more knowledge because I, when I understand it, I can, I can expand, I can extrapolate. So what's Das? Das is when the knowledge becomes integrated to some point that becomes part of me. So the, the, the Kerim is a fascinating thing. It's a two-edged sword. The person, when a person drinks wine, there's, there's an expansive mode that a person gets into. You know, I can handle the world type of a thing. Right? Um, the matter says that, other, that, that the, after Noah um, planted the Kerim, so the uh, sudden came and he shafted multiple animals over the Kerim to, to fertilize it. He says he shechted an ari, he shechted a chamor, he shechted a chazir. Says the first, why? He says the first drink after the matter says you, after you drink, you feel like an ari. You can handle anything. You're brave and you're powerful. Second, you sound like a chamor. You're braying. You're screaming. You're like, totally disregard for everything. Third, you're like a chazir wallowing in the dirt. You know, okay, that's that, that's what the matter says. Um, I don't remember all the animals, but there's I think there's one animal that I'm, I'm missing over there. I forgot what the fourth the fourth one is, but. Um, I think between number two and three, there's, there's another one there. Okay, right. But there's a certain amount of that. The the it it expands you. The person feels that he can move. He's not limited. He'll, he's able to reach out and connect. And right, you know, you're you everybody's your friend, and everybody's you're hugging everybody, and you know, right. That's a koyach das. The koyach das is to expand yourself and to be able to connect outside of yourself. That it's not I. I I don't see myself as, as it were, as being just an individual. I see myself as that there's so much more I can connect to beyond myself. That's a, a beautiful thing. That's a, that, that crack of das. But when it's abused, the person reaches beyond themselves, they lose themselves without, without being balanced. And then the final result is that the person ends up wallowing in the dirt. Right. So the, the das is a very d- dangerous nakura. But that was, you know, the, the, the desire on that point. What hit me is just thinking about the, these parshias. These parshias are a very um, basic explore, exploration, as it were, of people grappling with the mitzvahs of areas acting responsibly, acting responsibly, Grappling with the very, very basic Yetzirah's version immediately puts us in the world. Immediately, we have a story of a person, the, the desire to go grow beyond yourself and losing yourself because you're not keeping being true to who you're supposed to be. And that's Adamarishan. And then you have the, the, the issues of kina, of jealousy. And then you have a world of Taiva, the, the, the Dara Mabo, and you have the world of ideologies of the, the, the Dara Flaga. It, we're we're grappling with the basic challenges. The Torah is describing immediately the basic challenges of what it means to uh, to function properly in this world. The challenges that we have. It's, it's like a it's fascinating exploration of those challenges. So Torah gives Shemitz Benenoyach. So if you give Shemitz Benenoyach, if you look at them, what they really have in, in common is the idea of a responsibility. And responsibility is a fascinating thing because most people intuit that. 
I'll give you an interesting horror. Like, you know, we, you know, like, David likes when I discuss politics. So, um, what's the fascinating thing about what's going on in the society right now is that they've created a uh, certain individuals, whatever side of the spectrum you want to call it from, are very into idea of canceling and, and, and shaming, etc. other people. So how do they do it? They do it by labeling them with labels. So you're, you're not progressive. You're, you're a racist. You're, a, you're, anti, you're anti-climate. You don't care about the, the future. Right? So now this person, so we have two individuals. One person drives a, uh, a large gasoline guzzler car. And the other fellow is sitting there putting signs on his lawn every day that they know he's a he's a murderer, right? Like, why is he a murderer? Because he's using all his gasoline, which is putting a lot of pollutants in the air, which means it's going to chill the trees. The male eventually this population is going to die out, etc., etc., etc. Like you know, we dramatize. Why is he doing that? He says because everybody agrees being a murderer is bad. Pick a big son. He, big son. He's a gasoline guzzler. Okay, so who cares? We get. We, we need to move it into into a, into to be intimidate. We have to find a common ground where everybody agrees is bad, and then use that as a label against you. Respecting other people is is a common ground which we all agree is valid. So calling somebody a racist is a terrible epitaph because it means you're not respecting other people. It, it's only a bad. It's, a, it's only bad because there's, there is a common consent that respect for other, other people is a, is, a, is, a, is a true value. It's a core value. It wouldn't be a core value, so what do you insult to me? Okay, I'm a racist. Good. I'm a racist and happy. Right? What Hitler accomplished vis-a-vis anti-Semitism, that he made it a virtue to be anti-Semitic. So, but had he not done that, you can't be anti-Semitic. That's horrible. You're against people. That's, you're not resetting people. So we, we start, you, we have a general, we have a core value in society. Society's accepted the idea of respecting other people is valuable. And you're not respecting other people. So what's the Shankamataria then? Let's say climate. Right? So what is the, 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 the true, so the more it says that a person about the Torah, person about the Minotaur Shalom the Torah, raising the sky Benavshah. So the Telzerov has a shmuz where Anna used to say over regularly called Palais Malgavaglacha. We talked about the idea that obviously the 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 paradigm that you would like to reach is a person whose focus is only on learning, only on mitzvahs, nothing else. But we're not there. If a person would try to function like that, they're going to wither. So you need to have other things that your activities, interests, downtime, etc., to keep you. Adult functioning. That's not that's not called That's not called wasting time. That's a need. Obviously, the goal over lifetime is to try and and learn to minimize that so that you can have more focus and more time focus on that. But if a person will deny himself that need, it seems like he's doing a holy act 
it's going to come back to bite him down the road. Because he's not there yet, it's going to be. So everybody agrees that, that stewardship of the world, to be responsible, how to use the word responsibly, is, about, is, 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 is something of value. That's when I call somebody, you know, all these words about, you know, uh, climate, etc. What I'm trying to do is make it into a language of a core value we all agree on is, is good, and you're not like that, so you're a bad person. What's the person saying? I agree with that. The person you shouldn't just totally wantonly waste things. But I also have emotional needs that I have right now. Right now, I need this emotional need. And that's how you're supposed to live your life. The same way that's true in learning, doing Torah mitzvahs, that's true in visiting the stewardship of the world as well. So you have to be responsible. But what's, what does responsibility mean? So it really means also that I, that I should be, if I'm going to say, you know what, it's really horrible, so I'm going to go and live off the grid. You know, the, this, this grid thing, you know, is horrible, this electricity. Find some place up in you know, Saskatchewan, in North Saskatchewan, and learn how to live off the land, right? Isolated from the rest of the world because what, nobody else wants to live. It's too cold there. And I wither away as a human being. So did I accomplish anything? What did I accomplish? That'd be the extreme example. What, I've saved the world, but I that destroyed myself. So the balance is between this idea of being living responsibility and saving the world while also maintaining who you, yourself. Part of the self-maintenance is the indulgence that we need to, to make our lives sweet and happy, that we're, we're, we're excited about living, and we can use the world properly. And that's the fight. The fight is this balance. Right? So all the Shabbat are very much about the world responsibly, using the world responsibly, and we, the society has, in general, has absorbed those things as, as, as core values. And that's why they, they can be weaponized. But what's, what the, the, what's, they're ignoring is that the Torah, at the same time, recognizes that these are core values, but there's a balance. There's a balance of the, the human being has personal needs as well. If I, all I live my life just about responsibility and nothing else, right, right, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, right? That's the challenge, which the people who are accusing also do that. But if they, if you do not follow their agenda, where they think you should be holding, they turn around and weaponize it against you that you're a bad person because you're not. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm a good person. I care about. I recycle, right? But I, but I will, I will sometimes use a gasoline car, right? Because that's the amount that I can afford, and that's more comfortable for me than than, than walking every all the time. Well, you should live with you know, the shame shemaim, etc. You know what? I'm not holding there, expecting to live beyond that. But do I agree that we should not waste resources of the world? I agree with that. Right? So. The, the danger of the casting things in absolutes and, and therefore using it to shame people is, in, is terribly inappropriate. Because we don't live in a world of absolutes. We have, we have values, which are absolute values, but when it comes to app, the application of the Mamaisa, we always advocate balance. Um, so a person would try to live the austere life of such a Hanhaga, if a person is holding by the the, the madrega, be able to do that. That's quite a extraordinary madrega. 
But until you're there, the result is going to be the opposite. It's not going to be positive, it's going to be negative. The final the person will self-destruct eventually. Um, I once read a, just Emily, I once read a story um, from the person that, there's a person named the Baal Shem of Michelstadt. So the, the phrase Baal Shem, which we're familiar with Hasidus, the Baal Shem, so Baal Shem, Baal Shem was a phrase given to people who were known to be miracle workers. They had extraordinary Kedusha, Tzitkis, and Siyat HaDashmai, and they were able to accomplish things which seemed to be, you know, there was Baal Shem. They, had, they, had this, they were, they were pe- people of name. So there was a person known as Baal Shem Michelstadt, who was not Hasidish, by the way, who uh, had a, had a, had a old friend from Yeshiva, they went together, who came to him for Shabbos, he sent him a request, he said, I want to be able to eat with you. The Baal Shem had, um, had um, he ate very minimal amount of food and very not not desirable food. And he ate that on Shabbos as well. The friend meant to say, I want you to join for Shabbos, but he was hinting that I want to join, I want to eat your food. So he came for Shabbos and he served the friend regular Shabbos food. So he says, you, that's not nice. I, invite, I asked to come to, to spend Shabbos and eat with you. I'm not eating with you. He says, you're eating with me. He says, well, I'm not eating what you're eating. I want to eat what you're eating. He says, listen, this is what I eat the whole week. It got to the point that I'm so used to it, if I would eat other heavier foods and richer foods than Shabbos, I'd be sick. So it's not earning Shabbos for me to eat other foods. For you to eat this on Shabbos would be the opposite of earning Shabbos. You're not used to eating these type of foods. It's very dry, whatever foods he was eating, the limited amount of foods he was eating, etc. So for the Baal Shem Michelstadt, that was appropriate on Hagar. And that's his covered Shabbos. And so the person would be bizarre of Shabbos. It wouldn't be the proper way to act on Shabbos. Shabbos. So the person, if a person would try and do that for a longer period of time, the result would be not that he grew, is that he was that he was stifled and frustrated and he's withering. So, yes, there is a day of growth. Right? When we get, we need to move better. But if, if we jump ahead, the result is going to be the opposite. So that's why casting these things in absolute terms is, is, is all it is is weaponization because nobody lives like that. Not the people who are who are, who are casting either, which is why you find the phenomenon of people who are canceling are, end up being canceled because nobody's like the the the, the true woke the, of par excellence that that you know they're all claiming to be. So eventually they get canceled, you know. But the root of the concept is a fascinating idea that because we're a we're starting with core values that everybody respects, and therefore it's 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 an insult to not meet them. We're casting, we're using that as a way to cast people as being negative because we're creating it as a core value to the point that it's an absolute and there's no balance. And most people are balanced, but since I, I can, you're not absolute. Apparently, it means you're not you're not it at all, and that's insulting. And that's why people are intimidated and scared because of that. That's what they thought, based on the parsha. That the the you know during the prohibition, living responsibly meant not drinking. So if you're a drinker, you're a dr- if you drink, you would drink one drink a day. I'm going to cast you as a drunkard, and that's, I'm going to shame you. Now everybody agrees that being a drunkard is bad. But but my the way to fight you is to label you as a drunkard when you when you drink one drink. 
the Torah says there is, but that world of fi- drinking one drink is a world of trying to find this balance of this idea of, of there are resources which can make you feel upbeat and happy, etc. That's a powerful thing. And if you overuse them, it's talk- it is negative. Right. So a person is has high levels of consumption of various different things. If it gives, it makes him an expansive, positive mode. That's a good thing. He indulges in it too much, and he's lost his sight of being responsible for the, for the greater, the greater good, and he's only focusing on himself. So it is a challenge to, to find the balance, but that's the reality we're looking to do. Okay. So that was a second.